Hello, and welcome to IndieWire's Very Good Television Podcast. I'm Liz Shannon Miller at Lizzled on the Twitters. And I'm Ben Travers of Ben T. Travers on the Twitters. And happy Monday as you listen to this. We were recording a few days earlier than usual because Ben uh, had to go run away to Austin. Uh, hope you, As you listen to this now, he's hopefully survived. He's back home safe and sound. Um, and having learned about all the televisions. At least some of the television. There's going to be some good stuff. Oh, yeah. You're gonna, you get to hang out with Ray Liotta. That's very true. We'll see how that goes. We <laughs> we will. Uh, by the time you're listening to this, that will have happened, and it may be why I'm dead. Aw. I doubt Ray Liotta would actually kill you. No, no, no. I think it would be more like um, he, like an audience member asks a question, like, Ray, you're so famous for giving those just steely stares of death. Can you give an example of it? And then he actually accidentally turns it on me. Oh. And then I just collapse and and never recover. This is a sad story. I mean, it, would, it wouldn't be the worst way to go. Yeah, but it's it's unsatisfying for me. Hmm. I mean, endings are important, Liz. Like, oh. You want to go out on a, on a good note, and I feel like that would be a pretty good note to go out on, but I wouldn't want you to be unsatisfied. And Ben has done a nice job of segueing us to our topic, probably because... Liz has done another nice job of calling attention (laughs) to the segue instead of just taking it and running with it. Oh, well, I wanted to take this opportunity. I was going to make fun of you for, you know, like, I I just wanting to get this done in like 15 minutes. 15. Um, Yep. Clock's ticking. Yeah, it's not going to happen. Well, I'm just going to stop talking. Yeah, we'll see. We'll, we'll see how that goes. Um, but we are talking about endings today. Uh, this is, of course, inspired by a little show called Sense8, uh, which uh, just released a special series finale, two and a half hour episode. It's two and a half hours, Ben. We're not calling it an episode, are we? This one's actually a movie, right? It's. It feels like basically three episodes. It feels like a little mini season. But they're not broken up? They're not broken up. So I guess it technically, it basically is a movie. It Um, will be submitted at next year's Emmys. Oh, good Lord. (laughs) It it can be submitted. I mean, hey, they submit Black Mirror that way all the time. I would be much more supportive of this than Black Mirror. Really? Oh, absolutely. Why is that? Because this is uh, written and presented as a two and a half hour movie, not an hour and a half episode. Yeah, to be fair, USS Callister basically plays like a TV movie. Yeah, it's about the same quality, too. Boom! It's so good! How dare you? How dare you? Don't like it. Well, but it's my special favorite. I'm glad glad that you're glad, Liz. Happy you're happy. Dumping on anything I care about, once again, the Ben T. Travers story. That's not true. Um, But... (laughs) So, point is, um, one, one thing that's been really interesting about the conversation surrounding Sensei, as I was telling Steve, or, as I was telling not Steve, I was telling Ben earlier, is that um, a, a shout out to all the fans of Sensei who, bless their hearts, have really committed to not wanting to accept that this episode, which is being billed as a the Sensei series finale, is actually the Sensei series finale, and that there is potential for future storylines to go on. And without getting into spoilers for the Sensei series finale, as it is known to by net, as it is known to net, to Netflix, uh, it's a finale. It's a it's a very like it's not like it's not self indulgent to a gross degree. But it is definitely like fans, we are going to give you we're going to wrap it up. We're going to give you everything you want. Um, in a series finale, except for the fact that you don't want it to be a series finale. Well, that's what it was. It was sold as, right? I mean, yeah. I don't. I don't know if you. I know you've talked to some of the people at Sense Eight, obviously, but I, I mean, do we know? Like, was this something where 
Netflix approached them and said, we'll give you a, if, like two hours and you can do it? Or did they pitch like the idea of doing a two-hour ending? Or do we know how exactly it came to be? But it was always based around the idea of it being an ending. Well, um, if it, the timeline, to be clear, was uh, Netflix just canceled it. And then for a few weeks, it was kind of in limbo. And then um, I'm not going to take all the credit for this, but I have this one special power, which is once a year, I can kind of write or commission somebody to write an article that, uh, you know, demands a, a network do a certain thing for a show that's just been canceled, and that network will somehow end up acquiescing. Um, so I did, used my power for the first time for Sense8 last year, basically writing a, it's like eight reasons why, <clears throat> eight reasons why Sense8 needed a series finale. Um, and some of which were based on like the actual content of the show, which left on ended its se- second season on a very dramatic cliffhanger, and some of it was based on uh, you know the behind the scenes stuff, like you know it'd be nice to get more detail on this and that. So, anyways, a week or two after I published that article, uh, Netflix announced that based on fan demand, they would be doing a uh, they would be doing a finale. So I don't know. I haven't. I haven't actually talked to anyone behind the scenes about what went into that decision making process. But it was. It was a. Rever- it was a full on Netflix mate changed its mind, sort of situation, to a degree. Yeah, to a degree. They decided to make more. That's good. Yeah. I wonder how. The, I wonder how the deals on that went. Like, I mean, did they have you know options with the cast contracts that they were just able to exercise, or did they have to make brand new deals for everyone involved? Yeah. I mean, there's a. <laughs> there'd be a lot of. I feel like there'd be a lot of specific questions that went into it, considering usually when things are canceled, people are kind of released from things. And then as well as the idea that, you know, they weren't making another season, they were making a movie. So it was less of a commitment. And yet, uh, same characters, same team, follow up. I don't know. It's interesting. Yeah. Um, I mean, it kind of leads us to a broader discussion, uh, especially we're going to open the broader discussion large because Ben hasn't seen the Sensei finale. But they haven't seen most of Sensei. Yeah. It's pretty good, though. Yeah. There are orgies. Yeah. Not oh. enough, apparently, but... There are never enough orgies, Ben. Right. Um, but because uh, I think the question comes up of, you know, when, sh- when a show gets canceled... When do we need something like this versus when do we not? And is it strictly like a plot thing? Like if the episode, if the if the final episode of a season ends with a big cliffhanger, do it should networks feel morally obligated to some degree to have some sort of proper conclusion? Yeah, and it's I mean it's something where kind of the the proclivity of revivals as well as continuations as well as these you know uh, these few but uh, noteworthy successful fan campaigns where they've they've resurrected something in one way or another um people have a tendency to just immediately jump on we should have more and this isn't to say that you know shows that get canceled didn't want to have more seasons or didn't deserve to have more seasons but um certain stories have either reached a point where it's time for them to end it or the way that they just happen to end it works pretty well and you don't need to have something uh, to continue it. When we were uh, kind of brainstorming ideas for the podcast, Liz mentioned One Mississippi, and, uh, you know, no one is more outraged than us that that was canceled because we would have loved to see a hundred more episodes of that delightful, wonderful, uh, important show. But the way it went out didn't necessitate that they make, you know, uh, an hour-long movie, finale, episode, whatever, what have you, uh, to kind of explain 
what happens. Like we don't we don't need answers. We don't need an additional thing because uh, the storyline demands it. We just want more of the thing that Tignataro was willing to create and very good at creating. Um, you know, they're, they're not to spoil anything with one Mississippi, but just the way that it ends is is ends up being fairly satisfying. Is like okay, I can I can go with that. I can I can live with this as being kind of the imagined reality of, of where people are going to end up. And I think that's kind of critical when you think about this stuff. Uh, not everything has to be definitive. If there's something that you can kind of, if they give you enough to trust your imagination to see where it would play out from there, a lot of the times that's enough, as we discussed at length with the Americans finale. Indeed. I mean, uh, another show that we brought up in the discussion was Idea White People, which, as you listen to this, does not have a third season greenlit yet, which is deeply frustrating, even though I feel like it's a good bet. Like, it's, you know, look, they gave Friends with col- from College a second season. There's no way they're canceling Dear White People. I feel like that is a... As much as I want to run with that logic, I uh, there are flaws. <laughs> like, I just... Well, they're, they, they're doing multiple FYC events for it at any rate. Yeah. They, I mean, they kind of are. Not kind of. I, I don't feel like Netflix hasn't given Dear White People the support that it needs. I feel like they've been good about getting it out there. But, like, with, with Friends with College 1, they've only renewed it for one season. They have they did the first eight episodes. Now they're doing another eight or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Two, the cast of that show is um, much more famous I'd say so they're they're more popular and the show itself is a lot easier to access it seems like on our end that more people may have watched that than have watched the first season of Dear White People um on the counter side Friends with College got absolutely trashed in the review category whereas Dear White People has been widely hailed um so you know that's that's a plus for it but there's just it's hard to kind of look at their logic and say um we know for sure, or at least it's hard for me to say I, I feel pretty good about what's going to happen next. I mean, honestly, one of the things that inspires the most confidence is just the way that Justin Simeon ended season two, which is the whole reason we're having this discussion, in that uh, it is a cliffhanger ending, so it does necessitate something to come after it. Like, we need we need something in terms of a resolution for these kids uh, who've started diving into this um, now much more complicated backstory of of winchester university but um but yeah I, I i i want to be optimistic and i will be optimistic about it i just i need him i need him to get it into gear like the, mm-hmm. them renewing 13 reasons why today again <laughs> and, and so much faster than they've done so for dear white people is intolerable to me but this is the world we live in it is um something i found interesting i mean it's it's I feel like it's like when you when you talk to creators about this question, or when 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 they come into like when the creator finishes a season of a television show, I feel like there is always like you can see that they're making a, a decision between if they don't know that they have another season coming up, they're making a decision between creating a cliffhanger ending with the confidence that they will be able to complete telling the story, or trying to come up with an ending that will you know leave some loose threads. Um, leave maybe a couple of loose threads for a follow-up season, but also still kind of be a satisfying conclusion. Um, and never in never in the history of human events has this been more deliberate than in the case of Chris Carter and the ending Ugh. of season 10 of The X-Files. Yeah. An ending so bad, it made Gillian Anderson come back to do a season 11. <laughs> <laughs> 
Not a season 12, though. Not a season 12. We and uh, we are all, it's a good thing. Yeah. And I mean, I, I feel like there's been, there's been so many, there's been so much outrage this year in terms of what got canceled, especially, you know, at Fox, there was the bloodbath of, of so many shows going under. Um, uh, you know, Brooklyn Nine-Nine obviously got saved, which is great. And that was, you know, in large part because of the just... Overwhelming fan reaction. Yeah, very well put. Um, it, it was overwhelming. and They pissed off Mark Hamill and Lin-Manuel Miranda. You don't want to piss those bros off. Yeah, there were a lot of, um, there were a lot of people with big voices on social media who really came out and it i mean to me without you know following all of them on twitter already it seemed like there was a few people who hadn't really voiced a ton of support for brooklyn 99 before but mm-hmm. really were like whoa hold on i thought this was a given and they jumped on it which was which was good and i think brooklyn 99 is a show that had it ended where it did i would have been mad because it was clear they had so much more story to tell similar to one mississippi and that um, they're just, they've gotten so good at creating the stories with this cast of characters and, and developing uh, challenging and very rewarding material with them uh, that it would have been a crime not to have more. Um, but in terms of like a, a, an ending, there is a cliffhanger, but it I honestly am fine with that. Like that, if I didn't know the, I know the answer to that. Like it's, it's fine. Like, yeah, the, so. If if that had been the last episode of Brooklyn Nine Nine, I too would have been disappointed. And there is definitely a frustrating cliffhanger moment there, but it also like has, it also does have enough substance to have served for as a potential series finale. I think they wrote it very conscious of both sides of it. Like it's very much a, you know, play it safe and also you know, throw in one or two curveballs sort of choice. And having you know, had I known we were going to have this conversation earlier and i've been trying to do this anyway i am i've got like an episode and a half left left of uh, the last man on earth but i hear that cliffhanger is really intense i've 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 heard similarly and that was one where after season three they didn't know if they were going to come back that was a big big one on the bubble um for season three and they wrote that with a very conscious cliffhanger ending as as though it was going to continue for sure um, if they did the same thing with this one, I think that's going to be a really hard pill to swallow. Um, not in, and not in the sense that there couldn't be a good ending for it because of how the show is structured and how you know they just kind of keep expanding the world in an interesting way. Um, but because I would have loved to see what, what Will Forte wanted to end it with, you know, like I don't. I'm sure he's thought about it, and I'm sure they've had discussions about it, and. I just can't imagine what it would be. It was a show that when it began, you, it was hard to imagine what it was going to be. So, like, the intrigue of, of the unknown in this case is what kind of necessitates an ending for that show. Like, what I think would make will make what I've heard as frustrating as it seems. Yeah, I mean, theoretically, one of two things is going to happen. Maybe that show does some, somehow get saved, though it seems unlikely. It doesn't have nearly the momentum. Um, or in like a year, Will Forte will give like the exit interview where he explains everything he had planned, which I love. I love, I mean, I, it's not always, it's always a little bittersweet because like, you know, you know, theoretically the better solution is for the person to get to make their thing. But I do kind of love, especially like with, with really bonkers television, like when they just lay out all of their plan, when a show just lays out all of the plans that they had in place uh, for like multiple seasons, um, Usually it just kind of comes to where it's like you just read through it and you're like, what are you smoking, man? 
Yeah, and, and I mean, honestly, that just stems so many more questions. Like, <laughs> like uh, has the revival culture affected showrunners' willingness to give those interviews? Like, mm. normally there's a there's a certain amount of time. Like the you know the agents, the team will disband and, and join other projects. The agents will come back and say we weren't able to sell it. The you know the company, the production company will have the same thing where they'll be like, listen, we just couldn't find a distributor for this. So then, like once that kind of happens, that's when those interviews occur. And nowadays it doesn't seem as safe. It doesn't seem like, you know, that's really the nail in the coffin that it used to be in terms of the, the chances we'll ever see the show again. So will showrunners be able to give those kind of interviews? But um, at the same time, it's, it's for comedies, it's sometimes fun just to hear kind of what they were testing the waters with. I mean, when The Grinder got canceled, oh, yeah. um, Rob Lowe's... Uh, He's still trying to get that thing made, uh, which is great. But um, he was he was dropping hints about what they pitched to Fox that ended up being rejected, which was just bonkers to me, including the fact that they were courting Halle Berry to come in like she was ready to step in as a a supporting star in season two, which would have been amazing. I mean, Halle Berry in a comedy, especially like a legal, that would have been great. I mean, I'm I'm I'm, cont- I'm continually looking forward to uh, the Halle Berry naissance. Uh, I feel like it's we're on the verge of it. It's about to happen, and it's going to be great because she's delightful. Yeah, I feel like um, John Wick's going to be where that begins. But um, but yeah, it's it's fun to hear kind of the plans, and at the same time, when when I read those interviews. It's bittersweet. It's it's that feeling where, you know, oh, that would have been fun. And it, that hurts, you know? Like, you don't yeah. want to, you, you read it and you imagine what it could have been. You imagine what it would have been like to experience that. And it's like, you wish you would have had that all the more. Um, so it's an odd bit of, yeah, I'm going to read that thing. Yeah, I want to know the answer to that question. And then at the same time, it just reminds you of how, of why you really needed it to end, which is what we're discussing in general, like right. what what the causes are for this like what really necessitates you know sense eight coming back for that finale well that's why i like uh i I like i like the idea of kind of like a statue like give it a year before you kind of reveal your plans um i was just looking i was like trying to remember uh there was at least one canceled show from this year that already did their exit interview essentially um the uh, showrunners for Kevin Probably Saves the World uh, spoke to TV line about what they had had had, had, bleh, had had planned for season two. And yeah, this feels too soon. This feels like, you know, you know, it's sad, guys. Um, yeah. You know, it's your poor show. Well, everything's different. I mean, you know, some shows are, are kind of well aware that they're not going forward, but the network hasn't made it official in for a certain amount of time. So then when it actually happens... The stars may have already signed on to another project, so they just know. Like they just know we can't bring this thing back now. Right. Um, but again, yeah, it is. It will be interesting to see if we notice mm-hmm. people saying like, "No, I don't want to give that away yet." You know, more so now than they did before. Wasn't there? Maybe it was maybe it was happy endings where there was one like one cast member who was in, who did another pilot in second position, and that. And had to get recast as a result. It's not new. Yeah, I mean, well, it happened on New Girl because of happy endings, right? Like, Damon Wayans was in the pilot. The pilot Junior was in the pilot, and then uh, and then happy endings ended up getting picked up, I think, for season two. Mm-hmm. And that was that was what necessitated Winston stepping in. So, and the and the and one of their 
finale, series finale interviews, uh, Elizabeth Merriweather and, and a few of the other producers talked about kind of what they, like how conflicted they were about Winston coming on board. They're just like, well, we can't just make him a coach substitute. We can't just like plop him in and pretend he's coach and just run with it like, you know, like we're going to execute all the same plans we had before. So that's what turned him into kind of this wildcard character because they just had to slowly define him as they progressed all their other storylines. Um which was interesting to think about in terms of what Winston became. I mean, do you mean prank Sinatra? I, yes. <laughs> yes. Okay. I would have never predicted that that would be such a, a critical aspect of, of the ending of that series. And yet? They pulled it off. Yeah. He, he got it just right. So, I mean, looking back then, is there one show off the top of your head that you feel like definitely needed a, a Sense8 style series finale? I mean, I'm sure. I'm sure there are. My memory is not my best attribute. Attribute. Yeah, um, I mean, technically, Firefly did get that. <coughs> right. A, a lot of the ones where I would have lost my coconuts had they not finished, kind of got somewhat miraculous save. I mean, even Friday Night Lights got extended beyond what a lot of people thought it would. Um, the OC got a great ending season. Leftovers obviously got a great ending season. Um, even something like uh, something kind of newer, like Gotham, where I really like what they're doing. It's not, you know, my absolute favorite show, but I really do want to see how they end it. I was so glad that Fox was able to give them that. Like, especially when they canceled so many other things. It was like, oh, they're giving them a fifth and final season. That's great. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure there are some. That's well, I mean, question. I feel like I'm legally required by my father to mention Deadwood at this point. Um, sure, yeah. Deadwood good. is a classic one where people are still, people think that that movie may actually still happen at some point. Who knows? Yeah, he's constantly talking about it. Um, I always thought the uh, cliffhanger at the end of Terminator Chronicle, uh, Terminator Cole in this era, Chronicle Chronicles was pretty, pretty rough. But that show got great at a certain point during its run, so I'm a big fan of that. I'm literally just scrolling through a, show, a series of cla- uh, canceled shows. Dark Angel could have gotten a series finale then. You know, honestly, I think The Get Down might be one of the ones that really upset me. Oh. Um, and it had kind of a poignant close, but uh, I just feel like there were so many questions in regards to how the story from the past, the childhood, the 70s story that was turning into the 80s was going to connect to the future where, you know, Nas was rapping uh, in Madison Square Garden telling the story. Like, I, I, that is really frustrating not to know those aspects. And they talked a little bit about what their plans were, but um, that's one too, where a few of the creators are still trying to get a movie out of Netflix or some way to kind of give closure to it. So, we'll I mean, see. I feel like that cast is busy but not impossibly busy yeah it's it they will be is the thing like well Giancarlo Esposito is impossible probably no he'd probably be the easiest well he's he's actually unimportant without spoiling anything anymore he's not needed anymore right um but uh but like Shamik Moore uh is getting pretty popular getting a lot getting pretty busy uh Justice Smith uh he's in the new Jurassic World movie as well as a couple other things coming up um Good for Justice Smith. There's a couple other ones, a couple of the kids who have been doing pretty well for themselves. And that was one of the things I remember talking to um, a couple of producers who will remain nameless about, like, why they were so focused on, we got to figure out a time to get this done pretty soon. They can't age out of it, 
out, out of the roles too much and they can't get too busy. Um, but, you know, they're waiting on Baz. Like, they need Baz. So, Gotta have Baz. Um, if he – and he's got <laughs> – you know, Bass, he's doing a million fucking things at once. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that that might be the one for me. For the record, um, I know that Community technically has a movie to go before it is complete, has completed the destiny of six seasons in a movie. That being said, as much as I liked season six, I don't think it needs a movie. Community is probably fine just where it is. And also, Dan Harmon has 75 episodes of Rick and Morty to make now. So, I guess. Maybe he should focus on that. Yeah, I might be the wrong. We might even be the wrong person to advocate for too much because I feel like we often talk about just let it end. Um, you know, House of Cards, let yeah. it die. <laughs> Roseanne, don't bring it back. <laughs> Sense8, we're good. Great finale. End it. Like, we're okay with endings. Endings are good. Are you happy with the way that the newsroom ended? It, it did have a really good finale. Um I would I would love to see what Sorkin does with that sh- did would do with that show with that cast now. Um, that goes back to the topic we came up with a little a couple recently, which was just like don't just remake the show, just make a new show, but bring your old, all your old friends together, maybe some new ones. Yeah, I'd, I'd definitely be fine with with Sorkin just kind of riling up his his best of cast and, and putting them together in something new, more so than I'd be demanding a. Um, a special edition of the newsroom, <laughs> but um, let's yeah. just let's just keep holding out for uh, for that a few good men live uh, live special. I don't think that's going to be my top priority. <laughs> I do want to see it. That's not my top priority. I want to kill a mockingbird to happen on Broadway first. But you're going to go see it. I would absolutely try. Huh? Sorkin and Daniels on stage? Are you kidding? The dream. That's. It sounds like it's going to. Ha- it sounds like they got all the legal stuff cleared up. Most of it. Well, who knows then? Yeah. Um, I mean, we'll be keeping an eye out. Um, and, you know, in the meantime, there, we still have, we have, we'll, we'll always have the Sensate series finale. We'll always um, have more television. We'll always have more television. There's no shortage of stuff to cover. Speaking of which, Ben, what was the best thing you watched last week? Uh, the best thing I watched last week was Westworld episode eight. Oh, good. That was mine too. So we can talk about it. Yeah. I don't want to spoil too much, but. Um, but yeah, Zon McLaren, you know, Fargo fans will be very happy. Yeah. Um it was it was one of those really well done episodes that Westworld does every so often in that it it ties together like it, it's predominantly one story. Mm-hmm. But early on when it's branching out to another story, you're kinda like, why? <laughs> you're kinda like, why are you doing this? This seems kind of forced. Like I don't know what's going on. And the way they connect them is very subtle and beautiful. It's not done for like a twist on twist's sake. It's done, it does advance the plot, so it's important, but it's also just a really kind of touching moment. Um, and I feel like a lot of the parallels they were able to construct visually, especially, um, I can't remember the name of the director, but she did a magnificent job. It's like Uda. Uda Bresnikian, yeah. Yeah. Um, or something like that. The way she she kind of created this opportunity, like the writers created the opportunity and then the way she executed Carly Ray co-wrote this shout out to Carly Ray. keep making everything you're about to make. Um, they presented this Native American, this indigenous man walking through a modern world that had been stolen from him. And that was really striking to me. Like it was, it was him like being lifted straight out of the, a place that, you know, 
if it had been real, you know, that he'd created, that was his, that was his own land and his own people and his own culture, and being thrown into an entire new world that was, you know, very Americanized. It was it was commercialized and it was built on profits and all these things that were, um, you know, kind of against what he'd, you know, been raised to believe and raised to defend and raised to understand. Um, and I really loved kind of the the silence that she gave him in those scenes, and that contrast really spoke to me and was was heartbreaking in and of itself. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm a sucker for a good love story, so that worked really well too. But uh, the way they constructed that story is subtly powerful, and that's not something you always say about Westworld. It has great subtle moments, but for an entire episode to kind of pull that off was really impressive to me. Yeah, I'm gonna. It's, it's, it reminded me of something that Todd Vanderwolf tweeted about um, earlier in the show's run. So before we'd seen this episode, uh, or had it available for screeners, and something he mentioned that I found really interesting was the idea that it's almost a shame that the season that season two of Westworld isn't longer, because it would give more opportunity for these very character-focused sort of stories, um, where it's just like you can kind of almost have like a bottle episode just focusing in on one character, especially a character who's gone... Uh, who's been basically up until now a trope um, within the context of the story of within like the context of the Westworld narrative like I mean that in the sense of the story being written by Lee Sizemore um, in 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 the Mesa lab Um, yeah I was I was really struck by it too I think it's I think it it makes me sad that they don't have more opportunity to tell stories like that though maybe that's something we'll get more of in season three and beyond who knows yeah there i mean because they got to get back to the main story next week i'm sure yeah and it wasn't it was the kind of thing too they didn't really get away from it so much in this they just took a new avenue toward pushing it forward and you know the last two episodes have really pushed the story along and the characters especially in, in the seventh episode they pushed the characters forward in a way that i'd been dying for as we talked about before mm-hmm. um but yeah, I, I'm I'm kind of curious how the series develops from here. Um, I'm curious to see the reaction to it, honestly, because I think you know people will react very differently to it. But um, I mean, hopefully Zahn gets like a, a guest actor slot or something. Has he been in little enough of it? Yeah. I think he might be a series regular though. No. Oh shit! Is he, he in the credits? I think he's in the credits. Shit. Hold on. We, we should yeah we should double check that. Actually, I could be wrong. Now that I think about it, because I think I saw his name in the closing credits. Well, I don't think it actually... I don't know if that's part of the Emmy language, that they're like series regular so much as screen time. Right. But episode counts does do, do matter. So like even if he was in a half second, or well, a couple minutes of an episode without speaking, that would still... Yeah. Anyway. Anyway, we'll figure that out later. We're figuring that out. Um, but yeah, so Ben, what's the next thing you're looking forward to? Uh, the next thing I'm looking forward to, speaking of endings, is the Legion finale. Um, I've fallen a little bit behind on Legion. I've heard contrary things about how it's developed this year, but everything that I watched up through, like, six, I think, um, was great. And I, I loved what they were doing with it. Love what Noah Hawley has, a, like, a, attempted and successfully explored, in my opinion, uh, this year, uh, especially in terms of trying to create an experience uh, unique to television, much like one of his inspirations David Lynch does on Twin Peaks. Um, I, I really love it. He has a lot of fun, too, with, while doing it, which I think is what kind of makes it work. But, uh, but yeah, I'm looking forward to the finale. It airs Tuesday, so tomorrow, if you're listening to this when it comes out. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited for it. 
I actually also kind of technically have, I, I've been slowly trying to catch up with Legion. I'm, I just finished episode three last night. Um, and so hopefully, hopefully we'll catch up before the finale. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, I think aside from, you know, once you hit that point of like just kind of letting the narrative wash over you and not like really nitpicking or trying to really fully, <clears throat> fully overextend oneself and trying to commit to the, <clears throat> sorry, excuse me, uh, understanding the plot. Like it's really an interesting show. Um, I'm also going to shout out for the bold type. Uh, which is a show that we really liked in its first season run. Um, and it has a new showrunner for season two, which premieres this week as you listen to this. Um, but I'm optimistic that the same qualities that we came to really admire about it last year uh, stick around. So we'll see. Uh, but, you know, it was a fun show then. Uh, it was a good it was a good summer experience, and hopefully it continues to be the same. Yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to digging into that one as well. Uh, really quickly, the the requirements of a guest actor to qualify for the Emmys is that they appear in less than 50% of the episodes. Um, on IMDb, Zahn's credited for exactly five, which would be exactly 50%, which would make him ineligible, though IMDb is not to be trusted on this kind of thing. So uh, we'll have to get back to you later on. Yes. And Actually, I can probably just check the Emmys ballot. <laughs> um but you'll be able to find all about, about all that and more on IndieWire.com, where you'll find news, reviews, interviews, features, all the stuff you like. Uh, and make sure to listen to IndieWire's other terrific podcasts, where they always have all the answers, uh, especially the Screen Talk podcast with Eric Cohn and Ann Thompson, as well as the Turn It On podcast with Mike Schneider, and uh, the all-seeing, all-knowing, all-powerful, uh, super-duper perfect Chris O'Fault uh, Filmmaker Toolkit podcast. Indeed. And you can find Ben on Twitter at Ben T. Travers. You can find Liz on Twitter uh, at Lizlet. That's with an I and an E. Correct. We will be back next week. Uh, Thank you guys so much for listening. Um, And as always, keep watching television.